Peace family. Welcome to another episode of The Foundation. This week, we sit down with Dr. Leroy Jones, who is supervisor of instruction at the Gateway School for Special Education in Carteret. Dr. Jones is a Red Bank, New Jersey native who has accumulated an impressive resume and educational and professional career, which includes a bachelor's degree, two master's degree in psychological counseling and educational leadership, respectively, special education and supervisory certificates, a doctorate of educational leadership and organizational structure, and over 20 years of experience in the educational sector and positions as a counselor, substitute, hall monitor, principal, and his current position as a supervisor of instruction. Dr. Jones is also a adjunct professor at St. Peter's University. The interview with Dr. Jones was super dope because it started from his young life in school, which he was illiterate until the fourth grade. Um, he didn't know how to read until the fourth grade. It's crazy um, how his story just changed from going in high school and his counselor telling him that he was smart. This sparked him to graduate high school as the, as the president or the vice president of his class. He was an All-American as a football player. He went to play on at the University of Nebraska. He then transferred from Nebraska um, and he opens up a lot about the depression he experienced once he quit football at Nebraska. But he shares how he came back and bounced back to come back and play football at Rowan and then take his educational career um, to the to the upteenth degree with his doctor doctorate of education. The theme that stood out the most to me was his immense resiliency he showed in every time he was faced with adversity, whether it be not knowing how to read and being classified as special education or being um, or quitting football in something he loved his whole life. See if there are any tools from Dr. Jones that you could utilize in building your foundation. Until next time, peace, fam. Peace family. Today we got a special episode. Today we sitting here with the supervisor of instruction at the Gateway School for Special Needs Children in Carteret, Dr. Leroy Jones. Um, and today he's going to come on a show to pretty much show people, uh, show you guys how uh, you will build a foundation in the field of instruction. If anybody wanted to be a teacher, um, a professor, maybe uh, a principal, a leader of a school, um, this is this is the episode for, for you to kind of listen to Leroy's story, um, the adversity he went through, and kind of how he used that and put it into his uh, his work in his education field today. So uh, without further ado, I'm gonna introduce our guest today. Um, what's up, Leroy, how you doing? I'm good, how are you doing, Jamal? I'm good, uh, so, you know, I I know you very well, uh, you know, as you being my coach from, from Pop Warner, but kind of tell, you know, the viewers a little bit about you, uh, where you came from, um, you know, where you grew up at, you know, kind of how childhood was growing up for you and all that. Sure. So I grew up born and raised in Red Bank, New Jersey. Um, for me, growing up was 
we grew up in like a really good era. The eighties was an amazing time for, you know, the, the, the country, for our community. Um, I think that along with that came a lot of uh, unforeseen challenges and unforeseen obstacles. So mm -hmm. for me anyway, for edu from an educational standpoint, like education was hard from the beginning. As soon as I hit school, you know, for me, it took me a whole year to write my name because I had two capital letters in my name. And they teach you, you only write your name with one capital letter. Yeah, but you got so, to leave. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, like, I kept writing it with a lowercase r, and the teacher kept telling me, no, there's a, a, you need to capitalize the r. And so I didn't understand why I needed to do that. So, like, that was, like, my first, like, and that created a feeling in me, like, not sure of myself. Like, there, there was. How there. old were you at that point? Huh? How old were you at that point? Five and a half. I was kindergarten. Oh, that was kindergarten. That was five and a half when they have it. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't know, you know, I remember that. It was just a feeling. It really wasn't the, the situation, but how it made me feel. I was like, well, what else? Like, what I have to deal with? Like, I didn't, like, the unknown was really unforeseen. Uh-huh. So, you know, moving along, I was just trying to just move along through school. And to be quite honest with you, when I got into second grade, uh-huh, I wasn't really planning on going to school much longer in my head. Like I was like, <laughs> I'm going to work with my mom. She goes to work every day. Yeah. I don't even care if I don't read or whatever. Like, so I'm going into I fast forward, I'm going into fourth grade, I can't read. Yeah, you can't read at all. At all, I couldn't read in the fourth grade. Just cause you just never like try, you just never cared to try, try to learn or no, what you tried. Try I tried, but it wasn't, but in my head, I was like, I didn't, I don't, I'm not gonna be in school that much longer. Yeah, cause, cause oh. you thinking you could just go to work anyway, right? Yeah, my mom <laughs> is working, so why can't I work with her? Yeah. It wasn't until she sat me down, I was like, no, this is how the world works. Yeah, like, you gotta learn all of this stuff. Uh -huh. Like, so now I'm behind. Like, you I'm in behind. fourth grade. You're in a fourth grade, and you can't. Yeah, read. I'm behind. Not reading. Like, at best, at best, I could probably get sight words. I can get sight words. Like, is at the. Like, uh -huh. I can get the sight words, but other than that, I was behind. Now, was all the other kids in your class could read? Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> so how was that? Like, how'd you feel going to school where everybody else could read and you can't? Like, did that create a feeling in you then? It, it created, it, it, I didn't want to go to school. I, I, if I could have been a dropout in fourth grade, I would have dropped out. <laughs> like, I really would have. I, mean, uh -huh. I did not like school at all. So, you know, hence, when that happens and you're behind, what do they do? put you in special education. Mm -hmm. Now I'm in special education, and now they're catching me up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it took me to like, I was behind for most of my middle school years. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I was behind. Like um, I would catch up by grade, and then they would, I, we would go into the next grade, and I'd be behind again. Uh -huh. So I was in special ed from like fourth grade on until I got to high school. Now, being that's interesting now because I feel like a lot of people, when you think of special ed, you think of, you know, 
um, like an autistic person or like physically, you know, challenged and stuff like that. It it doesn't sound like you had any of those type of things. Like it just sounded like you just couldn't read, but it it wasn't uh I don't think it I think it's interesting that you just were behind and then they put you in special ed. You know, mm-hmm. to where I think of special ed, I think of maybe something, you know, that person has autism or something. So yeah. did that classification, like, did that ever, like, weigh on you or, or like, impact your, your thinking of yourself or anything like that? Like, now, on top of that, trying to catch up, I don't go to the same classes as all the superstars do. Yeah. And all the girls do. Like, when they going down the hall and they make that right, yeah, I make that left. <laughs> the classroom was way smaller. You know what I mean? Feel me on that? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I was in there, uh-huh. but my, but my biggest equalizer. I tell you, my biggest. And and when I started this, I said like the '80s was a great time, and it was a tough time. Uh-huh. What made it tough was the America's view on education. Like we were labeled a um, a nation at risk educationally mm-hmm. and on the same on that same vein like a, a, a major drug hit the streets mm-hmm. like crack cocaine hit the streets heavy mm-hmm. 80 81 and it just it just swept through every everywhere even red bank at the time it just just kind of swept through so that was you know how unique the 80s were but for all the laughs and all the jokes that mm-hmm. I received and endured all day, from both the girls and the boys, I did have my equalizer. Uh-huh. Practice started at four o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> so they had to see you on the field anyway. Practice started at four o'clock. Uh-huh. I remember that was third period you called me that, okay? <laughs> oh, they got it all day. <laughs> so after a while like it would come if they was in a group or whatever but it kind of slowed down like they they didn't really say too much and I kind of did my thing throughout you know um middle school you know what I mean and when I was picking classes for high school I kind of thought about college uh-huh. like I learned I, you know I learned what it was in, in middle school yeah you know it wasn't until like um my brother had went to school and I saw what he was doing that, you know, I was like, well, let me see if I can even do that. Yeah. But for me, I was still thinking like, I probably just graduated high school and I'll just go, I'll work. Now I know how to read. I can work with my mom. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Back in my head too. So I didn't really know what to expect in high school, but I did know that I wanted something because, you know, at our high school, you're well aware, like there is a financial margin between what, people made in Red Bank and then our counterparts in Shrewsbury and Little Silver. Mm-hmm. Like that's a lot different. Like their houses look a lot different than, you know, my my bathroom where, yeah. you know, my knobs are old. My 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 baseboards are moldy. You know what I mean? Like I gotta <laughs> clean them. My bathroom is not 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 nice. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and it's different. So I'm like, well how did they do that? Like I started asking any question on what did they do? How did they get this? I wanted to know how they got this house. Yeah. Our house didn't look like that. Exactly. So when I was a freshman in high school, um, you know, I picked my classes, you know, and it wasn't, and I had my guidance counselor. She was like, 
she saw my she saw all my scores and whatever. And she was like, "Oh, you're pretty smart." And she was the first person that ever told me I was smart. Mm. My high school guidance counselor was the first person that ever told me I was smart. Wow. She was like, "Oh, you're pretty smart." I was like, "I look back, like who who are you uh-huh. talking?" <laughs> who are you talking to? Yeah. So, and she was like, I'm talking to you. I'm like, I'm smart, huh? And it only took a word. It only took somebody to believe. Like, if you want this, you have to work at it. Well, like, I could do that. Like, I, you know, if I couldn't be smart, like, like the other kids, like, I was thinking maybe I could just outwork them. Like, I could just do more. Yeah. So I took classes. Like that was gonna gear me for college, but like kind of like if I needed a class where it was like I could kind of just coast through it, like I would take an elective. Like my first year in high school, I took speech. Best class I ever took in my life. I learned how to speak in front of people as a freshman in high school. Yeah, like a public speaking type of class. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Now talk about like how important that was, like in your development, like the public speaking, because I think. So before we started, you know, before you set up, you know, um, job, we we were talking about um, your piece on your your last class, how you really own the the argument, Uh you know, were in class. Yeah. Freshman in high school, talking about major issues like abortion and euthanasia, which is, you know, something that's huge right now, you know, in the United States. I mean, states are approving, you know, assisted suicide. So these were the, we were having these conversations back in 86, 87. And to have a profound argument, and you're a freshman. In high school. In high school. But they didn't know a year ago you was a special education eighth grader. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And I'm coming. I'm, these are smart seniors. They going to college. I already know where they're going because, you know, they, they talked about it already. They applied and they, where they was going. Uh-huh. So I, I really kind of pitched, you know, why, you know, assisted suicide is something that should happen. They were like, it's, you know, so that was, I was the pro. They were the con of the argument. So I remember vividly where, like, I was in there and um, I explained you know, the, 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 the pros to it, but I felt myself building confidence because they were slow to respond. Mm-hmm. They weren't firing back as I'm always used to somebody doing because I always thought like they, I, I, there's a hole somewhere and they're going to catch it and they're going to just get back at me. Uh-huh. I, didn't, I didn't hear it. So that confidence started to build. Right, as a freshman in a class. Uh-huh. And so I took that through... Um, I took that through uh, my freshman year into into my sophomore year. So, like, now I'm starting to think about, you know, I could probably, you know, play. Like, you know, I was pretty good in Pop Warner. Like, you know, we did our thing. So, I was thinking in high school, I should be playing as a sophomore. Yeah. I mean, I got time as a sophomore. But they didn't – at the time, they didn't move sophomores up. Yeah. But um, – which really angered me. Like, uh, like really, yeah. like, they, they did that. So, for like me – because, right? Huh? Like, why didn't they move sophomores up? Just because it was like a tradition thing? Or like, what was it? What was the thing? So I just learned this recently. It was a, it was just an unwritten policy that they never did it. I agree. That's that's why I'm saying, like, it was no expl- – I feel like that's a, at a lot of places. It's just like, we just don't do that up here. 
But it's like if I if I'm the better player, let me play. I had the same exact problem at RBR, and I'm like, mm-hmm. it's whack. It's whack. Now I gotta sit on the sideline and watch, <laughs> you know, somebody that's not even better than me play. Mm-hmm. So I, there's politics that went along with a lot of the a lot of sports, and I think that um, and I and I think you get that anywhere. Yeah. Um, but it was it was it was prevalent in, at our at our program. I mean, I think the experience last, will last me a lifetime, as you're well aware, but I do think you have to go through them to understand them. Mm-hmm. Um, no ill will. It just fueled me again. So, like, mm-hmm. now, now, you know, as a sophomore, they didn't, they didn't have, um, they didn't have, uh, like, a sport for me to play as a freshman in the wintertime, so I, I didn't do anything in the wintertime. I tried to run track, but I didn't know how to run. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, unless you had a football in your hand, I wasn't really trying to get at you. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it wasn't until my sophomore year that, you know, wrestling came around and I, I just picked that sport up. Like, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I had a coach, uh-huh. um, you know, Mr. George, Coach George. He, he was my coach and he showed me what to do. He showed me four moves and I'm at, I, I did that. And, yeah. I, and, I got my, and I got beat up every match, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, it was, uh, but I didn't really think I was any good at it anyway. I was just doing it to stay in shape for football. I agree. So I was like, all right, I'm, I'm good with that. But um, one of the things that I think a lot of people didn't know is that when a lot of people were sleeping, uh-huh. I was running that night. Mm. So I, like, I was running at one o'clock in the morning. I would do the sprints from Locust Avenue all the way to Schneuman Springs Road. So I would sprint a block, jog a block, sprint a block, jog a block. And then on the way back, I would weave out of the blocks. I'd be done by like two, two thirty in the morning. Yeah, like four times a week. Uh huh. All through the off season, because I, they didn't really know who our first game was against, um, going into our junior year. Like, but I had, I had, I had heard that we might be playing, we might be moving up a division, uh-huh. and Madelon was in that division. Mm. So I knew that our tailback's cousin played there. Oh, okay. and, I, and I knew that he was one of the best running backs in the country. And I know he was the number one running back in the state. Oh, damn. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Craig Mitter. I don't know if you Craig ever heard Mitter. of him. Before. Nah, I yeah. never heard of him. But yeah, he, was six, he was 6'1", six, six uh-huh. 220 in high school. Damn. Yeah. 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 So, it was like, you, and I think, I think in life, to be so young and to like really have a commitment to do something like I was committed to my junior year. I was really committed to the fact that I'm starting. Like it's nothing to be said. I'm, I'm starting. I'm, I'm the man. Like I want to start. So I made that commitment to do that. And I think that throughout the off season, it was more of a, I had to prove myself. You understand that? Like having to prove yourself, like nobody really knew you except for like they heard your stories in Pop Warner, you balled out. But I was a play freshman ball and they they slowed me down as a sophomore. So you know, I really had to come out of the gate, you know, really, really hard. And I did that. Like that, I mean, we lost that game my freshman my junior year. Uh-huh. But he fumbled six times that game. Damn, six times. Yes. Me and another linebacker, I'm sure you're aware of, Carl Ashton. Uh-huh. Oh, we yeah. hit him together and made him fumble three times. Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah, he is savage. <laughs> so, 
um, that set that set the stage for wow. Maybe I could do this at the next level. Like okay. that game really like put me in my head on the map. Like I was that just did it for me. Uh -huh. so, so more effort into the school schoolwork, more effort into like learning how to write, learning how to you know really kind of craft my words. I got in the matter of fact, I got in the student council. Oh damn, you got in the student council? Yeah, I was a vice president of my class. Oh, 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 you took the, you started taking the, the school thing real serious. I like, so what, what like made you want to start getting involved in school like that? Like, you know, just more than just, you know, doing your schoolwork. Now you're trying to go to school, student council, getting an extracurricular. It's like, yeah. how do you go from, you know, you know, special ed to like wanting to be, you know, kind of take over the school almost. Right, so I, I I think it was um, it it was so it was history class. I don't know if you I don't know if you had a, a Miss Blackwell when you was in high school. Did I you did. Have her? Blackwell. She was my home teacher too. I see her every day. <laughs> right. So Miss Blackwell had asked me a question about why don't you run for student council and. It was the furthest thing from my mind until she asked me about it, uh -huh. and I was like, "Well, why, 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 you know, why would you want me to run?" She was like, "I think you would be good at it," mm -hmm. and that was set me off on another path, right? So, like, yeah. if you see the pattern, there's key moments in my life yeah. that made significant changes, right? Mm -hmm. So I ran, and I won, and I gave a speech to the whole class, to the whole school. Damn. And it yeah. was all of Miss Blackwell pretty much saying that she thinks she you could do it. Yeah, and that was the, the same way your your counselor said you would. You know, she thought you were smart, and then you was just like, "All right, you feel me?" So I think those is important, you know, because I think um a lot of times people um underestimate the power of words and the power of you know really people in the professional field um or in the education field have the power that they have like a teacher has so much power and any person in that school um to really think about what they did with you like you came you coming in there and all they said was you were smart it was something so simple um all that you were smart i think you could run for the student council and that was what you needed to be like you know, and I think that's so powerful. So I think, you know, um, those are dope. It's dope how it manifested that in your life, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that there are that. So that started, a, you'll see the trend throughout the throughout the, the story. So um, which then I did win, you know, and but I noticed that there was a sense of responsibility that went with that. I noticed the power right away of it. Like I noticed the power right away of it. Like once you, once they voted you in, it, you were in. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you, your your peers voted for you, mm. right? So um, I knew that there was there was power attached to that. It was very little in high school. Obviously, you just you had an opportunity to go talk to the principal, and yeah. you go walk to his office or whatever, and then you had that power. But I knew that there was power attached to that, and I knew that. Um, so then. And I just, I put that to the back of my head, but you know, I, I did work with, with, we had the meetings in the after school and it was something for me to do. And, and I learned, so I learned vocabulary through mm. student council, like liaison and, and reciprocal um, communication 
mm. and valuable interpretation of what is, you know, these words that I never heard before, I had to write them down. I ain't spell them right. I knew I'd spelled them wrong. <laughs> yeah. And then I was able to kind of like, as you sound it out, you spell the word better. So there's a correlation between, you know, pronunciation and hearing of the, the word. So I would go look those words up. And now that started another, you know, I started to look, my vocabulary started to grow because I experienced something new. So now yeah. I made the connection. I did something new. I got something out of it, right? So um, after my, you know, I was, I was highly recruited after my junior year. Going into my senior year, I was highly recruited. Yeah. Um, not, well, I'm not, not Eric McCool recruited or anything like that, but yeah. I had offers, right? So I had... Um, I had uh, Western Carolina. Uh-huh. I had Temple. Uh-huh. Maine. Okay. Um, and I think that was it. They offered money. Uh-huh. And Nebraska called, wasn't offering anything, but they wanted me out there. Uh-huh. So I walked on and gave up the money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you said, yeah, you said, forget it, man. I'm going big or going home. I did. I said, I want to know how good I am. Uh-huh. And I, Nebraska was definitely the, the, the place to figure that out. That's that. <laughs> how was it? When, <laughs> so I talk about Nebraska. How was it when you got to Nebraska now? So yeah, you get there, you get off the plane. You know what I mean? You got the coaches meet you at the airport. Boom. You get right into the, you go to your room. You got 40 minutes to go right to the stadium. Get, they give you your sweats, your shorts, everything like that. Boom, you in line. They testing you. Uh-huh. you know what I mean, they testing you right away. They giving you a strength test right away. Where you at? Boom. Practice, practice that night. The first day I got there, practice that night, and then we had two days, two weeks. Practice that night, and then two days straight for two weeks after that. Meetings in the morning. First practice at nine. So meetings at like eight fifteen to nine fifteen on the field at nine thirty. 9.30 to 11.30. They don't even give you lunch. They give you like these little <laughs> these, these drinks. Like they have like two and 300 calories. I'm like, I need about like 2,000 calories to make it out here, man. <laughs> A day. Like I, they was, what? So, um, this was out pad. This is without pad. So like yeah. I saw what was already out there. I'm like, like I was never looking down at a player. So I was never like eye level. Uh-huh. They was always like, I'm always looking up like, <laughs> you was the shortest guy out there, pretty much. <laughs> beside the beside the running backs, like the linebackers were bigger, the, uh-huh. everything was bigger. Linemen were bigger. Everybody. Was like, oh, it's a reason. Oh, it's a reason these dudes is D one. Because I think a lot of times people was like, "Yo, man, what make these dudes D one?" And like, what make them that crazy? But like, when when you got there, you you saw. First- oh yeah. <laughs> oh, firsthand, and I was like, "Damn, we ain't even got the." The pads on yet. <laughs> that was my thing. Like I didn't really have a thing. Like, was, you know what I mean? Like number one in the country, four four state championships in four years. Like these dudes came with resumes. Yeah, like, I was like, I was Red Bank. Like that's what I was. There it is. I ain't have much more. Yeah, but um, so the experience was, you know what? You had to make a commitment to yourself. Uh-huh. And I think the commitment for me was um it was a stark one. It was like it was it was dark, you know what I mean? Like my commitment was <clears throat> I had to survive fall camp. 
Uh-huh. And what would you be able to do? You know, how could you do that? Like, it was really like, what could you do to do that? Mm-hmm. And you know how, like, you gear up for a game every week? Yeah. I had to gear up for a game every day. Yeah, yeah. Twice a day. Yeah. The fullback was 240 pounds. The running back was 195 pounds. Oh, the fullback God. ran a 4-5. The running back ran a 4-3. And yeah. all practice, you just got to tackle these dudes straight up. Yeah. Yeah, straight up. Like when they go, when they blow that whistle and they go, this is live, your like your career, your body is on the line. Like you could get injured at any point in time. And I was like, I'm too far away from home to be hurt. Yeah. I couldn't really, <laughs> I mean, I couldn't do that. Like I couldn't be all the way out there and be hurt. Like I needed to, you know. So um I can remember like it was yesterday, it was like a uh, you know, you when you fill that hole. Like you feel it, but you, but you know, you know what to you. You understand that he can knock you out. Like you understood, like that happened. Yeah, like I saw dudes get knocked out in in practices, like clean, like eyes rolling back, and they just out. Clean. You watching this in practice? Oh, that was that was daily. Like that That's daily. Damn. Yes, yes, they hit. Uh-huh. So I was like, well, I'm either hit or I gotta go home. Yeah. So, First time I I I filled that hole, uh-huh. that fullback. I, I didn't know where I was when like, he knocked me out. But like, you know how like you're trying to get your bearings and the world looks lopsided. Yeah, like, yeah. Like I was like, wow. So I I was I was like, that was wow. that welcome to college football hit for yeah, you, huh? That was definitely welcome to college D one. <laughs> yeah, country football like that was. Cause Nebraska was top ten in the country. Oh yeah, yeah they was yeah they. I was <clears throat> I went to um, one national championship uh-huh. with them, but um, it was the other you know. But I left before the the second national championship that they had went to. Uh-huh. Um, so how was your time at at Nebraska like? Um, you know, with 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 the plan and also with the with the living out there you know just just adjusting the life you come in for you going to what omaha nebraska from lincoln lincoln, lincoln nebraska you just see it nebraska don't nobody know nebraska that you think the only place is omaha like that's the only place i know from nebraska <laughs> but i uh, yeah you way out in lincoln nebraska like what was the life uh, just adjustment like like out there, you know. You only 18, 19. You trying to yeah, play 18. I was a young eighteen, so for me the adjustment was huge. Like I was homesick every night. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was homesick every night. But I went to class. Mm-hmm. So I, I did learn that. I, I did get up and I, I did go to class and I did what I was supposed to do. And uh-huh. just you know, I I played in the freshman. It was the last year of their freshman program, so I played I played freshman year. So I, I wasted a year of eligibility. Oh, okay. And, uh, playing playing freshman ball, and then I redshirted my second year. But the lifestyle was slow, uh-huh. as expected out there in Nebraska. The lifestyle was slow, mm-hmm. um, and you know you didn't really have a lot of money. You know you you found it as you got it. You know you had money here, had money there. You know money came from home really, and wasn't much coming from home. So you know you had to really figure it out on your own, and you know you had to learn how to adjust to a, a different lifestyle where you know you are the minority clearly yeah. clearly <laughs> everywhere clearly everywhere yes yeah so um when i 
got out there, um, I know one of the places where I, I my major, I declared right away, I declared psychology as my major right away. Oh, psychology. And what made you think, what made you declare that? So, um, the, another aha moment in high school. So I took psychology as a senior. Uh-huh. Uh, and and the, 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 the teacher was awesome. So he was like, he taught me about Freud and Erickson and Ellis and taught me about, you know, the mind and how it works. And I was like, cool. And to be quite honest with you, it wasn't a lot of math involved, so I was cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. I like psychology, too, for, <laughs> for so, similar um, reasons. Yeah, so I declare right away. And, uh, you know, my first my first year, it, it was all right. Like, I was able to, you know, take a couple um, classes just to introduce me to the university. And, uh-huh. and uh, I took English, and I took um, – I took a psychology class because I declared right away and did really well for a semester. Like at a major university, you are, you know, you're doing, um, you know, you're competing, right? So from not going back to elementary school to competing at a major university, I'm doing it, right? Um, But I think the the toughest adjustment for me was just being away from home and just being a regular player, right? So just being... Not the uh, star no more. Huh? Not the star anymore. Not the star. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a big adjustment, too. Definitely. Yeah. I think that a lot of us go through from going from high school to college. You know, you the man in your, t- in your town, then you go and you just another. They might not even know your name. You might just be a number. Hey, 42, 42. You know, oh, that's what I was. They was like, "Come here, you." I was you. Come here, forty-two. I was forty-five. Come yeah, here, you. calling you the wrong name and the damn kid. Like that's another side. Like everybody just think that you know, college football is all you know, great gear, great game. Don't gotta go to class, whatever. But like, this is the reality. You know, this is the real reality of it. You're doing everything that everybody else doing, and yeah, they still don't know your name. You know. <laughs> so I think that's important, man. Yeah, it, it was. It was. It was very interesting, and um, you know. But what I did learn was, um, which was an aha moment for me, was I can I competed. Mm-hmm. I could compete. Yeah. Like I can, I could, I can compete at the highest level. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I never was number one on the depth chart, and I was only two on the depth chart for a day. But you know what? Just seeing that, as in my life, all I needed was for somebody to see that there was talent there. I'll do the rest. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I just needed to know that they knew that if they needed me, I could, I could compete and. Yeah, and produce at that level. Um, but, you know, it started to wear on me. So, like, uh, but like in, so like, were you traveling and stuff, too? No. So, I redshirted. I played freshman ball. I redshirted um, my, my, my redshirt freshman year. And then um, you had talked about that all or nothing, right? So, it was all or nothing. So, in 91, I was down at the Orange Bowl. You know what I mean? We, you know, we went to – we played um, Miami and then that championship. So I went there. I didn't shoot up because I was, I was I didn't shoot up. Um, but I, they flew me down there. But that was like my redshirt freshman year. So for me, I left my redshirt in Miami. 
Yeah. Like I wanted to come back next year and I wanted to play. Like I, I put it in spring ball. I went back to, you know, I worked out all the time. Like they had the best, biggest weight room in the country. Like how could you not get stronger? Yeah. Uh, came into um, winter, like I, I smashed um, the winter workouts. Like I was, I ate that up. That was easy for me. Uh-huh. Then came into um, spring ball, played there. I'm like, I got one more shot, which is fall camp. Mm-hmm. And then like at the end of fall camp there, I was number three. Mm-hmm. I was like, word, like number three. Like, yeah, after all that, yeah. I felt some kind of way about it. Like, I'm bigger now. I'm stronger now. I've been here two years now. Like, I'm not that freshman anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm, I was ready. Like, I was, I, either I was going to do it or I was going to move on. Like, I, yeah, at some point, I realized I didn't want to be on a team for four years and be like, I played out there I, a little bit. I, I didn't want to do that. Yep. So I had to make the decision of, uh, you know, whether I was going to stay or whether I was going to go. Uh-huh. So, you know, um, I missed the meeting. Uh-huh. I didn't really even care. I missed the meeting, but I missed it. So yeah, I, I, I think I was at a, a cookout or something. I was like, oh, what time is it? I was like, mm. yeah. so Coach me in, you know, Leroy, whatever. He was like, I said, listen, Coach, I said, you know, I'm really, you know, working hard here. And I'm really like, um, trying to, you know, compete here. But, like, I, I don't think third is where I need to be. Uh-huh. He was like, well, you think you need to be first? I said, listen, I said, I need to be traveling. Yeah, at least. Like, yeah, I said, at least. Because my roommate was starting. Like, and he was like a, he was a hybrid linebacker because he was a, he was a tailback in college. And he was the truth. And I mean, like, he balled out. Like, he was the man. So, um, but I wanted to at least be traveling. And they was like, well... He hit me with some flim flam and that was the, I can tell you, John, man, that was the longest night of my life. So we had this conversation once before, a couple of years ago, but that was the longest night of my life because I had to contemplate what I wanted to do. Mm. And I said, let me, let me, let me think about it. Let me just, you know, and then I woke up the next morning. I was like, I, I ain't want to play football no more. Mm. I quit. I gave, I gave in. I was like, I'm not doing this. I said, but I might play again. So I didn't stop going to class. Like I ended up leaving Nebraska with a um, with a uh, a two three GPA uh-huh. at a big university, competing. I had a, I had a two point three GPA. It wasn't it ain't the best GPA in the world. It ain't straight A's, but I I didn't it didn't go under a two point. Yeah, exactly. So I I could live with that, and uh, I just I came home. But I can tell you, so like aha moments, and and you tell me if I'm talking too much, you can let me know. You talking, you talking good stuff right now. So talk about like moments in your life, right? Mm-hmm. I I made the decision I'm not playing anymore. Like I'm done. I I done. Didn't go back. Nothing. I ended up uh, leaving in uh, no December, mm-hmm. right before Christmas. Got all my stuff. Never coming back. You no, know, kiss the state goodbye. We get, I got a layover in O'Hare, in O'Hare in Chicago, uh-huh. right? So I'm waiting and then the plane comes, people get on the plane and then there's this guy in his wheelchair. So he, they roll him on or whatever the case may be. Then he's in first class. Uh-huh. So I'm in the economy, I'm in the economy class. Uh-huh. Um, and I go back in the economy and uh, the, the, the airline stewardess is like, um, can you help me out? I was like, yeah, you know what you need. She was like, um, can you help me? Can you feed him for me? 
I was like, yeah. I was like, yo, my man, where you going? He was like, I'm, um, he couldn't walk. He was paralyzed from um, the neck down, but he could talk and he could, he was going to school. He went to Rutgers. He was going to Rutgers. I guess he was from out there, but he was going to Rutgers. And he was like, yo, you don't mind feeding me? I was like, nah, man, you know, like, what's up? And uh, we were just talking. He had steak or whatever the case may be. He was like, thank you, man. I appreciate it. You know, like, so I said, well, what you studying? Like, what are you studying? He was like, told me what he was studying. I think he was studying like uh, chemistry or biochemistry or something like that. Like he was, he was a student, and but he couldn't walk. And he was like, wow, you pretty big. You play football, whatever. I was like, yeah, I said, I'm, I'm coming home from um, Nebraska. You know, I told him my story. And he was like, um, he said, listen, man. He said, as long as you can, as long as you have your education, don't worry about the sports. Like you got to do what makes you happy. But that was coming from a guy who couldn't walk. <laughs> so I'm, 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 de- I'm feeling depressed. Yeah. I'm feeling like my life is over because I can't play ball. Mm-hmm. This dude is like, don't worry about it. And he couldn't walk. Yeah. Wow. Right? So check it. So we get all, like I feed him or whatever. I take care of him. So I'm going back to the econo. The, way, the hairline stewardess is like, no, 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 no. I got a spot for you in first class. Come up wow. here and see. Ever, my, my first and last time ever sitting in first class, too, by the way. <laughs> I got to get back to that. But um, what ended up happening was um, when, the, when the flight landed in, in, uh, in Newark, yeah. she was like, come here. She gave me a bottle of, like, that finest champagne. She was like, thank you so much. You did so well with him. Wow. And we appreciated that. And I never forgot that. Yeah. I, I never forgot that. What lessons did you learn right there? So I, I learned that I was selfish. I learned that I learned that for me, life is bigger than than football. Wow. Um, I, I learned that um my education is important. That I did learn. Like that moment was an aha moment. Like I should do something with myself. I have an opportunity to, and I have an obligation to, to do something with my life. So um when I came home, that doing something, I didn't really know what that was. I mean, you can't just turn on and off depression, right? So like I was still depressed. Like I didn't I knew it was important. I just didn't know how to get out of it. Like, and yeah. I mean, I had no scholars in my neighborhood to teach me how to get out of it. Yeah. You know, I knew what it was. I knew what a liquor store was. So I'm, I'm there in a moment. <laughs> I'm doing that. I agree. So you know, but what ended up happening was, I think true that's story. The, so true, true story. So I'm, I'm sitting, I'm, I'm sitting in my room, uh-huh. I'm playing Tecmo Bowl, uh-huh. right? And I had a, I had a, I had a forty in my room. I'm chilling, like I'm good, like I'm I'm home with mom. Mom loves me home. I'm thinking <laughs> everything's good because you know I'm supposed to work with her anyway. So I think I might just try that now. Finally, after so many years, right? So um, she knocks on the door. So she was like, "Pooh." Well, my name. Well, let me back up. My nickname is my nickname is Pooh. So she would call me by the name she gave me. So that was her name to me. She was like. Who there's some dude on the phone for you. I was like, uh, tell him I call him back. She was like, oh no, he sounds important. I was like, Ma, just tell him I call him back. She was like, no, get, get, and she used an expletive, get the out of bed and come take this phone call. I, she must have knew who it was. She just didn't tell me who it was. Yeah. I was on the phone, I'm like, yo, uh, is this Leroy Jones? I'm like, yes, yeah, is he? Like, how can I help you? She was like, he was, he was like, um, this is the head coach at Rome University. 
we'd like for you to come down for a visit. We heard that, you know, maybe we're wrong, but we heard you're not going back to Nebraska. This was February. I left Nebraska in December. So by February, they had found out I wasn't going back. Damn. So I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm not really interested in that. So I know my mom was behind me. So she, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Yes, you are. Like she was like, "Oh, yes, you are. Like you're interested. In me. You're really interested." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I go down for a visit. Um, I liked it a little bit. They was like one game away from the national championship. And the next week, your head coach called me to go for a visit at Mama. Oh, and he wanted me. To, he wanted me to be a startup at at Mama. Uh huh. He wanted me for his startup year, his inaugural year. Oh, you didn't want to be a part of no startup. No, I wanted to be part of championships. Yeah, so you <laughs> you, you like startup. We might go, oh, and Ted, you, you ain't trying to hear that. <laughs> so even though it was, wait, well, now at that, well, yeah, at that time, they was D3, though, right? They would have been D3, right? I think so, yeah. They yeah, so, yeah, so it was definitely no type of incentive to go there for you, huh? No. <laughs> I got them telling me we was one game away from playing for the national championship. I just came back from Miami, so I know what that atmosphere is like, even at the D3 level. So yeah. I'm like, no, oh, I can probably yeah. do something here. Like, let me, let, me, let me see what I can do. I was like, listen, I ain't playing no games with you. Like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm coming up start. I don't, don't talk to me about politics. I'm better than probably any and everybody you have right there. Because I knew at the D3 level, yep. coming from the D1 level, yeah. I knew those, I know those fullbacks ain't 240. At all. <laughs> and I know them linemen ain't 6'6", 350. Nowhere near it. <laughs> Nowhere near it. So I'm like, I'm probably, with, I'm, I'm going to be the best linebacker you guys have for the next three years. I don't want to, I don't want to really, really want to play. Yeah, that's not even a conversation. Not even a conversation. Uh -huh. So my mom gets on the phone. She was like, you know, uh, Mr. It was Mr. It was Coach Keeler and Coach Bunning on the, on the call. She was like, listen, you know, my son has really, you know, she stepped up for me. She did her thing. Like my mom, you know, God bless her soul. She, she stepped up. She said, if you're going to play with my son, like just let him be. Like I got him from here. I said, but if you, she said, if you're serious about it, I send him down to you, but don't hurt my child. Yeah. Like take care of my child. And they, they had said, Miss Jones, if he comes to play with us, we'll take care of him for the next three years. Nice. So that happened. I, I went down there, um, and I went down there with a chip on my head, like on my shoulders. Like this D three, like. I mean, really, this is my de facto because I could. You lose a year if you transfer from D one to D one, so you lose a year. So yeah. I didn't really want to lose any year, so I dropped to D three and played three years, which was yeah. pretty cool. But I went there like none of you can touch me. Like I'm none, none of that is happening. Like uh -huh. y'all garbage. I'm like, don't talk no shit to me. I want to hear it. Uh -huh. I wasn't talking anything. I wasn't like bragging and like that. Like I just came. Like I just wanted to play. Yeah. But like these dudes is talking like you know. They at Nebraska. They they talking like it's between Nebraska and Miami. And I seen that game. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, dude, it, it ain't like that. And I see that game. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, dude, it ain't even like that. Like, yo, chill out. Like, just chill out. So they was like, wait until wait until we get pads on. I'm like, you really want to talk that? Like, and in my head, I'm like, you have no idea. Like, yeah. like, I I played against a guard 
that ran a 4-9 flat, right. made it into the Hall of Fame in the NFL. Yeah. Will Shields was a guard that played for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh-huh. I, was on the, I was on the scout team. Yeah, yeah. I was a scout team linebacker, so I had to hit him when he when he turned up field every day. <laughs> every day, you feel me? <laughs> like, did you understand how I'm feeling right now? Like, you can't do nothing to me. Like, I was surviving for my life out there, right? So, I went there. You know, first day in pads, they would go nine. They go seven on nine. All right, seven on nine. Like, they really look all eyes on me. What I'm going to? Uh-huh. So, um. And it was easy. Like I moved just faster than everybody, you know. Like I read, I read the guard like way before he even moved. Like he stepped down. I and then the car and then something went away. So I stepped and then shot the gap and hit the hit the starting running back right in the mouth. Like that's it. It's over. Like I'm like this. It's, it's a wrap. Like I made my statement. Now let's play. Now let's be a team. You know what I mean? So like in '93. It was like we won, but like I didn't care about anything about except for I want to go to a national championship. Like we won conference championship, we yeah. won regionals, like we we won the East Coast. So I don't even know what you even call that now, but like <laughs> like I won a national champion. Yeah, we just wanted to do that. Um and what and it ended up being a really great experience for me because it it um you know when I now I saw what the people at Nebraska saw, you know, in the younger and like, so I became a big fish in a little pond, right? Yeah. But for me, I didn't want to forget the little fish that were still in the little pond. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So like for me, it was like I'm gonna play, like you know. But when there's an opportunity, like take your opportunities to play, and I and I made sure that that happened. Like when we. We will blow teams out. Like if you ever re-researched us in '93, we blew teams out like 40 nothing, 50 nothing, 22 nothing. Like we yeah. did lose. We we lost two games, but like they was D two schools, so I was like whatever. Yeah. And it was anyway. But um, I was mindful of the the young the younger the younger kids coming in, and I was respectful to them because I thought it was important to be respectful to them. Yeah. Um, to really encourage them and like work out with them and like come work out with me like this is what we do like this is you know that type of thing and I think that that yielded a lot of like you know positive you know um, relationships on and off the field you know what I mean yeah so when did you kind of start to get uh, the interest in education and working in education yeah so at Rowan I mean yeah at Rowan I realized um, it was rural but like they had a um they had like a little bit of a of a project like Red Bank in Glassboro. Okay. I was like, where I got this down here? <laughs> um I went to now our, our president at Rome University at the time was African American. Uh-huh. And he loved football. Uh-huh. I went to eat dinner with him when I went down there when I went on my recruiting trip. I ate dinner with the president. With the president? Damn. Uh-huh. Yep. I'll tell you what happened with him when I was going for my doctorate. Uh-huh. So um, I said, Coach, like we need to start like a um, a field day for the community. Uh-huh. I, I was like, I said, let me go. Let's let's go talk to the president see if they can give us some money, get some shirts, get all the get all of the um, the players out, and they do a field day with like drills and sports and stuff in the morning. Give them food, give them some drinks, you know, give them some t-shirts or whatever the case may be. So they have that, right? Uh huh. 
they bought it. Like the, 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 the president got, it was like, okay, that's awesome. My coach was like, yeah, run with it. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we started that, um, we started it down at Rowan, like almost 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, but it's still going today. It kind of grew, got bigger. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, um, very powerful, um, for me in terms of, you know, people less fortunate. Uh-huh. And, and I, and I didn't, I knew I could teach. I knew I could go ahead and kind of talk to somebody. I could reach somebody. I didn't know what that was, whether that was um, education or, or counseling. Uh-huh. For me, it ended up being both. Uh-huh. So I graduated. I, I was working in juvenile justice um, just as a counselor, like working with them. Uh-huh. Um, seeing that, you know, the, the route was education. Like if they, could, if they could relate to the teacher, they could probably do better. Mm. So uh, 2001, I got my I got my master's in psychological counseling, thinking that that's probably what I wanted to do, okay. and then I ended up uh, going back in 2003 for my master's in educational leadership. Oh, so you got two masters now. Correct. Uh, and then along those lines, I ended up getting my special education certification. Um, I had my supervisory certification, um, and then. You figured out like for me it was it was more to it than that. Like I needed, you know, I wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for me. Yeah. So. Um, so what was your first kind of education job? Like in the edu- you said the juvenile working with the juvenile justice kids. Yeah. So it was it was twofold. It was juvenile justice because I could work with them, but I had my I had my bachelor's degree, so I could sub- substitute teach. And it was really the students in Red Bank that I was subbing where I subbed at. Oh, you were substituting in Red Bank? Yeah, where I met uh, Kieran Sherrod. Like, I knew who he was. Oh, okay. Um, oh, so uh, you was uh, you were substituting when Kieran and I was in high school? When they were, no, when they were in the middle school. Oh, in the middle school. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was they already in the middle school. Too. Yeah, and he was, always, he was always a great student, well-respected, even then, by, by his peers and teachers. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me he came... You know he he's doing very very well. He, he had great parents. Yeah. Um, and then I after that experience, I ended up going back to school. Um, that was, I think that was the experience that made me want to be a teacher. So working with the kids in Red Bank. Uh, oh okay. So you was working with the kids in Red Bank, and how long was that? When um, how long how long did you go there? And then um, what was your next step? You went from working as a teacher, subbing, and then what was the next step? Right, so working as a teacher, subbing. Back then, Red Jersey had an emergency certification, so I got my emergency certification in special education. Okay. And then I decided to, to, to go um, to, um, to continue to sub, and I could work for the state as a teacher. Mm. Um, that lasted, you know, a couple of years. So that was from like 98 to 2001. Uh-huh. From there, I went, um, and then from there, from juvenile justice, I worked in Red Bank for two years. Uh-huh. At Red Bank Middle, and then I worked at Red Bank Charter for four and a half years. And then in all these roles, you was as a teacher? Well, I was a teacher at Red Bank Middle School, uh-huh. and then I transferred into, I changed over into, like a counselor slash supervisor at Red Bank Charter School because uh-huh. I was doing my master's in in um, in, edu- in um, school leadership. 
right. Yeah, I kind of want you to talk about like the evolution of you going, because um, you've been in education for 20 years, of you going from a teacher um, to a counselor um, to, you know, a principal, and then now like a, um, you know, a supervisor of instruction. What kind of, you know, went through like the, the stages when you were kind of like, oh, maybe I could go a little bit, um, do a little bit more and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. No, absolutely. Um, so for me, it was um, the opportunity to uh, impact education. So the thinking behind it was to leave education in a better place than how I found it. Um, okay. and I thought that um, I thought that was the natural next step for me in terms of you know my evolution. Um, given the fact that like when when I look around, I don't really see you know too many scholars or or people who went to graduate school you know, next or, or around me. So, um, you know, I had to make kind of these decisions like really on my own and maybe kind of talking to, you know, colleagues and, and, and some, some close friends. So um, when I had went back to school, it was, uh, it, it was scary to go to be, to get a master's degree. That's something you hear about on TV or you hear about like, you know, on like when they start talking about like these important people and they say they, they got their masters and such and such. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty important. Uh, so uh, intimidating too, because I didn't know if I could do the work at the master's level, like yeah. you know, I could do the work at, but you know, cause I had sports and I had people to support me. This is all on me, writing the papers, doing, going to the classes, getting, reading the assignments. This was all on me. And, and uh, I was scared. You know, I, I didn't know. I took my GREs. I, uh, I applied, I got the great recommendations. Like I didn't really do that well in my GREs, but standardized tests don't really dictate um, the construct of will. So what made you kind of want to go and get a master's though? Like you were already, you know, kind of in, you know, education, you was being a teacher. What kind of was like, ah, I got to go and get that master's. And I can, I believe I can go and get that master's. Cause, you yeah, know. So it was really a driving force to kind of, to create a, a better life for my son. So you, you know my son well. Yeah. So for me, it was, I wanted to make sure that he had his, um, his he had insurance. Yeah. You know, the bottom line for a parent is they got to have some insurance if they get hurt. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And um, to, you know, just to make sure that there was always something in the account just in case his, you know, his mom needed it or he needed it, he was my driving force. Like, my why was my son. Mm, so you had that motivation to where a master's, you know, while it may be scary and a, a, a pretty surmountable task, um, your why was strong enough to, you know, make it be like, I don't care how big it is, I'm going I'm to make it, you know? Correct. And I, that was well said. You said it way better than I could have. So. Um, and then after I did well, like I, you know, I graduated my first master's with a 3.2, uh, better than my undergrad. Yeah. And okay, so I said, you know what? Mm, let me go. Let me see what. Let me see what I can set up. You know, because my son was really just kind of at middle elementary school. You know, going into middle school. So for me, it was like, let me see what I can set up and kind of, you know, really increase my 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 ability to provide, uh, you know, a lifestyle for him that he would be successful and. Uh, I looked into, you know, leadership and what leadership was and, and they had, you know, talk, they had talked about, you know, what, what leadership is. And I saw, you know, the, the principal at the, at the middle school was, you know, looked kind of like me. And he was a dude that, you know, led, 
was a, a great leader and he ended up moving on in his career. But um, for me, it was like, if he could do that, I could probably do it too. Mm. And I went on to get my second master's in, in professional and um, school leadership. Uh-huh. I think that, 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 that point that you just said, you know, you saw the guy um, get his master's um, and you, you know, you say, if I could see, if he could do that, I could do that too. And I think that's, you know, one of the most powerful, um, you know, illustrations of, of motivation out there, you know, um, that's the reason that I'm in law school because somebody that I played, you know, football with, I seen go to law school. So it was like, if I see that, I could do it, you know. It's got to be tangible. You got to see it for me. I just have to see it. I can go ahead and go get, I can put my hands on it if I see it. Yeah. So my so you, struggle, if you, if you see the theme in my life, my struggle was I just needed to see it. Yeah. Believer, and then I do the rest. Yeah. Each time. Each time. So uh, 2003, all right, boom. So I take, I take two years, uh, 2003, 2005, I get my, my, uh, my principal certification. And then I, you know, you know, things, things become more challenging, right? So I landed a job uh, as a director of the adult school. It was a great, great school. If they would have had it to this day, I'd still be there. It was that cool. It was the kids that kind of dropped out, kind of just fell away from, from school, and they ended up um, coming to my school. Yeah. But, you know, that was 2008, and as you're well aware, two, 2007, and as you're well aware, 2008, the, the stock market crashed. Mm. So um, the school so went under. That was Kiva? No, that was before Kiva. Okay. I uh, went to Kiva for a year. Um, it was a different dynamic. It was more, uh, it really didn't fit my leadership style. Yeah. So um, I decided to go back into youth development, which which was really what the JJ, the Juvenile Justice Commission was. I was working in North with a different population. Uh-huh. And I was seeing three different educational sites. So cool. I was the educational uh, coordinator, supervisor there. And it was pretty cool because I got to meet like, a lot of a lot of kids in North, but they the same kids in Red Bank. They're the same kids in yeah. you know, they just want they're the same kids in, in in rural America. They just want to be heard. They just want to be valued. It don't matter that they live on Avon Ave in North. They were like, Mr. Lee, like I just wanted to be heard. So that was an aha moment for me, you know. So my aha moments coming through. That was an aha moment for me. Like, yeah, man, they just they just they just want to love and, and experience the world just like the next man. Yeah. Cool. So from there, I ended up uh, making a decision like I needed to go back to school. Uh-huh. In 2000, like I was, I was in graduate school in 2006. Um, I went back, applied, and then the, uh, the the president, the former president of Rome, was my wrote my recommendation for me. So oh really? Damn. Yeah. So he did that, and then. We went out to lunch. I took him out to lunch after. He was like, you could do whatever you want. He said he was the first black president in a, in a, in a university, uh, at, at Rome University. He was the first black person. He had a lot of firsts as the first African-American. He did a lot of different things. And uh-huh. he was like, remember this, if you don't remember anything, the only person that will ever stop you is you. Mm-hmm. So from then on, uh, it was, I went, I went, I applied and got into to doc school, doctoral school, and ended up getting my doctorate degree in, in, in educational leadership and organizational structure. Wow. Um, 
that's like a, a super huge jump. <laughs> you feel me? Went from uh, yo, um, that, that's like a huge jump. You went from uh, you know, I went for a couple teacher jobs, you know, then went a couple bastards, and then, damn, I just flipped and got a doctorate. Um, but I think you know what, what, what people can see in that story is, I think a couple important points. Um. People telling you you could do things is is incredibly empowering, um, and people in positions of power telling you this, you know. So you um, is talking to a, a black, um, you know, a president. Um, he looks like you. He, um, you know, he has, you know, you guys can relate, and he's in a, a a position of power. So I think what it is is doing is telling you that. I could do that. We belong here. Like we, we yes. like this is, this is not, um, this is not foreign. Um, this is not insurmountable. And while, yeah, it is, um, it's incredible feats, but we normalize them right to where it's like, all right, I'm just getting a doctorate. Like, so what? Like I could get it too. Like, you know, it don't gotta be like, damn, the doctorate is too crazy. I can't get that. Um, and I think, you know, just what he told you, the only thing that is going to stop you is you, you know. Um, I think that's one of the most important, you know, lessons that I've learned, too. You know, um, I think, you know, with your situation at school is kind of crazy because I had the same exact situation. And I remember you literally, I remember you telling me, um, you know, like, don't, don't quit or, or like you're going to regret it. And I still did it. And I, I, you know, like, and I, I still regret it. I'm like, yo, he told me. But that was kind of a hot moment for me where I realized that, yo, as young people, we kind of, um, older people are literally always trying to warn us about life. And, you know, we so young, we think we know everything that we don't never, we just like, ah, man, he old, I'm going to do it anyway. But, then you like, damn, he tried to tell me. Um, so I think that, you know, in that, um, I, I had a similar experience in college where I walked away um, and I was depressed. But I think, like you said, um, I kind of refocused and was like, you know, I'm not. I made the decision that after that, I wasn't going to quit on nothing else. You know, I didn't care what it was going to be. I wasn't going to quit. And I feel like going back to you're the only person that could stop myself. I'm the one that quit. Like I like I stopped myself there. So it was never uh I don't ever think, you know, anybody can be stopped. It's 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 only if you if you stop, you know. So I think those those, you know, gems coming from those people were incredibly powerful and now you got a doctorate, you know. So just to finish up, I know we've been talking for a while, but I think um I think for me the biggest success uh, out of everything is uh, being uh, interviewed by you. So I think that for me, um, you know, you watching you grow up and watching you go through the transformation to be successful um, is powerful because your presence now can, and as you're well aware, can liberate others. So now that I see that, you know, you are where you are right now, um, I feel really confident in the fact that, you know, I did leave this world in a better place than how I found it. And you will, you will turn it forward as well. 
So, you know, my biggest accomplishment is really being interviewed by one of my former players who ended up is now in law school, where at the end of the day, you know, as you grow through, as you go through and, and you become, you know, this big time lawyer and you taking over the world, like I know that, you know, you secured a spot for somebody that looks just like you in the future and they're going to do the same. And over time, you build networks. So I'm, I'm, I'm honored and privileged that you even asked me for that. Uh, I'm grateful, really, really grateful to, to, to be a part of, of, of your, uh, you know, your show, you know, your show that will probably grow and you'll be a big time too, but I'm, I'm grateful for the beginnings of it. So thank you. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, that's, that's a great place to kind of wrap it up because it's like, um, it comes full circle, right? So I think the work that you're doing in the education field is now you touch, you affected my life and touched my life through coaching. Um, and that was such a small, you know, sliver, like we ain't even, we didn't even talk about you coaching. Uh, we didn't even mention you coaching at all, you know, um, but it was such a small sliver. So I'm like, now that you are an instructor of, you know, a supervisor of instructor, you got these networks to where now you could affect so much more people. Um, it really highlights how, you know, important your impact is in the position that you are in every day, you know, to, to make that. So I, I feel like every day, you know, you're making that um, impact every day you're, you're leaving, you know, you know, and just think about in your situation, how, uh, you know, uh, simple, you're smart. I think you could do it. Um, you know, what's so powerful for you, you in position to throw those around all day, you know, so you, I think it's, it's beautiful. So, um, you know, with that, I guess we'll wrap it up. You got one last gem you want to leave the uh, people with, with, you know, what they think they could um, build in, in this education field? Or I do. I, I think in the world of education, don't get into it for the money. You'll never get rich. Mm. If you get into it for the, if you get into it for the successes that you want it, um, for the opportunity to impact others and make education a better place than how you found it, this is the, this is the career for you. I will say that um, I'm honored, I guess, um, I'm honored to be a guest, but I'm honored to be a, um, a keeper of, of the education uh, experience. I'm honored to be a, a, a steward of, uh, to support education for others, specifically for the special education population, mm. um, because I think that they're under, they're, they're, under, um, they're mistreated, I, I think, and they are marginalized to a large degree and often forgotten. And I think COVID is a, a classic example of, you know, how, you know, that population could be forgotten. And I think that um, we need young people to kind of fill the void moving in to support that marginalized population. So that's what I would leave them with. Just make sure you come into education, you want to make it a better place than how you found it. I like that, man. All right, man. So without a further ado, we'll wrap that up, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, Leroy Jones spent uh, a lot of great, a lot of great jewels dropped during this interview, man. So I appreciate you coming on and, uh, you know, uh, being with us today. So it was a pleasure and an honor. Thank you. Let me see how that turns out when you're done, when you're done editing it. 